we I'm take, gonna keep I'm gonna keep a ton of it. We yeah, take right? out large silences, parts where we're researching, parts cut, like this where we're explaining about editing. Cut everything <laughs> out except for every mention of the word beef. <laughs> beef, 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 beef. Oh, <laughs> guys, this is a cold open. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. And I'm Jesse. Uh, without Mike, because oh. I, you know, God rest his soul, he must be shitting somewhere. With the... <laughs> 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 uh, we are the dad fathers, though. Coming at you with some... high strung. <laughs> <laughs> we are coming at you with some Doc Holiday energy. Uh, and joining us is good friend of the pod, Isaac. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Great. Uh, I just you, got back have... from back to school night, so this is fantastic. <laughs> Drinking a beer, talking <laughs> on a pod. That's how That's we right. do. <laughs> oh, yeah. The after school podcast, or sorry, after work podcast. Not after school. Not for me anymore. Uh, yeah. This is always so enjoyable. You just get to sit around and talk about a great movie. Yeah, it's it's really good when it is a great movie, and sometimes when it's not a great movie, it just makes the whole night worse <laughs> or better. Yeah. The question is, which one is Tombstone? <laughs> That's a good question because Tombstone, everyone, is what we are covering today. Now, this is kind of a Oops, surprise sorry. one. No, no, uh, it's kind of a surprise one for us because originally in our our lineup, we had chosen to do three just because of you know. That's just what we chose to do. We chose to do Unforgiven. We chose to do 310 to Yuma and True Grit. Originally, we had chosen to, to do Tombstone in there. Mm -hmm. um, but for time concerns, we we cut it because of just how our schedule worked out until Isaac, old friend of ours, chimed in and said, hey, why don't you do Tombstone? <laughs> <laughs> and it just and, seemed the right fit. Yeah. And scheduling at the time uh, was we were going to do a, a September new release. But we looked at the September new releases and we're like, nah, we don't want to cover any of these. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough year. It's been a rough year. And we just wanted to have Isaac to come on and talk about, is this your favorite movie of all time? Oh, it's up there. Yeah, I'll, I'll straight up say it's probably one of my top three favorite movies of all wow. time. Yeah, so I wish there was somebody, I don't know, maybe there is somebody here who thinks it's just not all that. Hmm. I don't think so. At least not not in my corner. I don't want to give anything away, Jesse. It's super about popular. You? A lot of people like it. So. Yeah, I I really like it. I've got a couple couple things that I will I can nitpick with it, but not nothing where I'll say like, no, I think I hate this movie. I yeah. have one major beef, <laughs> dude. I was one just gonna say I have beef. one major beef as well. Good, good. Well, I wonder if they're the same. 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 <laughs> Let's uh, compare our beefs and uh, see yeah. how they measure up. Uh, well, can I get in on this beef contest? I want to see if I, how I measure up to your guys' beefs. Yes, let's all compare <laughs> beefs. Right. Yeah, I have two two beefs. <laughs> Whoa, wait! <laughs> two it's beefs, two furious. You get one. You get one beef. You get one. One solo beef. Two beef, two harder. <laughs> beef stone two. <laughs> 
<laughs> the beef, the beef stone to Yuma. Um, all right, we are now of the three beef fathers. <laughs> True beef, <Yeah>. beef grits. <laughs> beef fight at the OK Corral. <laughs> this is stupid. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, all right. <clears throat> So, oh. so why let's, uh, now we've introduced Isaac, a uh, lo- long time friend of ours. Now you know why he's here. We have the same senses of humor. Uh, but, uh, why are we doing tombstone in the modern Western series? So Isaac, given the three that we have already chosen that I've already named, you know, how, how does this fit in there with them? Do you think initially? I, yeah, I think I can give an initial statement, but is it okay if I ask first, <clears throat> I know you mentioned time constraints. But I'm still curious as to, given those time constraints, why did you pick Tombstone to cut rather than the the other three movies, which were all good entries? But why did you go, okay, of these ones we're narrowing down to, why are we cutting Tombstone? I'm just curious as to how that conversation went. Well, I guess I could answer at least in part for myself. So we had Unforgiven, which, you know, I hadn't even seen at the time, but I was told this is the one that led to all modern Westerns. So, of course, we have to have that one. And then personally, I really love True Grit. So (laughs) I was fighting hard to keep True Grit in there. And I also had a personal attachment to 310 to Yuma. And we kind of already mentioned it like earlier this year. So it just seemed like if we're going to do modern Westerns, we should throw in this one because we already mentioned it and talked a little bit about it before. Which left Tombstone, and I was, like, okay with... I was partially okay with that, because Tombstone has kind of confused me a little bit. Sometimes I've wondered if Tombstone is more of a throwback to, like, the Clint Eastwood kind of era of movies. It it does... It Sometimes it doesn't really seem like it fits, like, at least with 310 to Yuma and, and True Grit. Um, whereas Unforgiven, I feel like that could be made like today and I would see it and audiences would still like it. I, I think people would like Tombstone. I'm not sure if it's like uh, more of a modern movie. It has more of a throwback feel to me. Hmm. Yeah, there were numerous times when I was watching it where I, I thought to myself with the, 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 the camera movements, incredibly modern, right? Um, the, there's a lot of handheld, a lot of steady, like the way that camera moves feels like a new movie, but what the characters are doing in the scene, what the dialogue is in the scene felt like a really old movie. And so it's like this weird, almost like in a good way, train wreck of, of two eras. And yeah. when I was watching it, like yeah. I can imagine these lines of dialogue in a John Wayne black and white movie, but it's just in this refreshed kind of context for, for me, the reason that I, I wasn't particularly attached to it is I've only seen it like twice. Whereas Unforgiven, 310 to Yuma, and True Grit, these are movies I've seen Unforgiven like four or five times, and yeah. then the other two way more than 10, like way more. Yeah. And so this was just the one I was least familiar with. And uh, I was happy, though, to be brought back mm-hmm. to it because I, I loved where it sits because we got we got Unforgiven in like 92. And then yeah. this like a mm-hmm. year later, and it's so different, so different. And then, you know, many, many years after that, we have 310 and True Grit, which are also so different. It's amazing that in in, yeah. in Westerns in 20 years, we had such a wide variety. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I think that uh, Tombstone is, it's kind of like arguing about whether or not uh, Shakespeare is best understood as the last of the medievals or the first of the moderns. Um, mm. I, I think Tombstone does uh, 
a really incredible job of paying an homage to uh, all the Westerns that have come before it and being kind of outdated a lot of the times, uh, but also updating and uh, modernizing, and I would say even subverting a few things, but in a, in a different way from Unforgiven, which uh, we can talk about, but I think it's a lot more playful than yeah. Unforgiven. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, most things are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This movie's a, it's a whole lot of fun because of that. Um, because it's not just like, uh, you know, striking down the past or something, whereas it really felt like Unforgiven no, was. On the, on the contrary, actually, I think Tombstone goes to great lengths to display like a almost filial piety towards all of the Westerns that came before it. And not just the movies, the actual old West heroes that went through yeah. the transition of the fall of the West. And I think the movie's about that too, in a way, I don't know how deep you want me to get into it right now, but uh, well, let, let, let's get deeper yeah. into it a little further on. Maybe. Yeah. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, we're talking about tombstone 1993 uh, going into our cast and crew. Maybe uh, this is yeah. George P. Cosmatos in name for sure. And he definitely filmed a lot of it. Uh, there's some back and forth behind the scenes trouble. Um, for instance, Kurt Russell claims that he directed a good amount of this movie. Kevin Jarr, the writer was originally supposed to, and it was taken from him. Yeah. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about this, Isaac? Are you more familiar? Not much. I know that, uh, I know that Kevin Jar <laughs> apparently was a pretty good writer, but just a shit director. <laughs> like, there's, I don't know if you guys have paid attention to Val Kilmer lately. He has a documentary that just came out. I haven't yeah, seen I it just yet, watched but it. I'd like to. Is, was it good? I, I, I thought it, I thought it was really I, cool at showing. I heard it him. was a little like, oh, I'm kind of wonderful. I've yes. really grown into my wonderfulness. But <laughs> yes, the thing is, Val Kilmer is kind of wonderful sometimes. So yes. I'd be willing to indulge it. So <laughs> I know that Kevin Jar got canned, uh, like what less than a month into the production. Yeah, and I heard this story. Val Kilmer, who backs up that. Apparently, Kurt Russell did a ton of the directing, like behind the scenes. He didn't want the rest of the cast and crew to know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I heard that he had really early on, like day one, Val and Kurt are sitting on their horses and watching Kevin Jar just fumble up a, a an important shot and just looking at each other and going, oh, boy, this is not going to go well. <laughs> so apparently it was clear early on that Kevin Jar was, uh, despite being, I, I think, a really brilliant writer on this movie wasn't going to be a good director. So that's, yeah. that's what I know. Yeah. They, they go into it a little bit on the, on the documentary. What's also funny is that Val Kilmer is wrapped up in not one, but two very troubled productions like this in the Island of Dr. Moreau, yeah. where, where that guy's also yanked from the movie and Frankenheimer's yeah. brought in to fix it. Yeah. And it's funny that one like goes down as in history as like an abysmal failure. Yeah. And another one goes down as like the king of Western cult classics. You know, do you, do you buy the theory that Marlon Brando was, just trying to see what he could get away with on that movie and just trolling everybody in, in the, in the footage that Val Kilmer himself shot that is shown in Val. It is very clear that Marlon Brando didn't give a. <laughs> 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 There's a scene where like, they look at the, the character, his character, this for the scene had to be like all in white with like white grease paint on his face and stuff. And Val's filming it. He's like, that's supposed to be Marlon Brando. And it's not. And he goes, Hey, who are you? And the guy goes, I'm Nate. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Hi, Nate. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, he he was checked out. He was he was gone and done. But it's just it, it's just really because that like Moreau is just is that a few years prior to this or a few years after this? Now I have oh, to know. Oh, I don't know. I never paid attention to that movie. 
I, I have to know now. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to bring the whole podcast yeah, to a up. screeching halt. It's all good, man. It's going to be three years out. later, 1996. Years later. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, That's though, funny. Cosmetos. Because Marlon Brando was capable of making a good movie still at that point. He's in um, uh, Don Juan DeMarco, which is pretty cheesy, but it's a it's a really fun movie. And he's in that with a young Johnny Depp, and he's quite good. Wow. I kind of thought that maybe like post Superman, he just didn't care. Um, I don't know what year Don Juan DeMarco was. Because um, in Superman, there's the story that they had to put the they had to put the, his lines on the baby. <laughs> so when he's looking down at the baby, he can read his lines. <laughs> Wait, famous rapper the baby was in Superman. <laughs> I did not know that. Yes, yes. Hey, Don Juan DeMarco was 1995, so maybe that was that's pre. That's the uh, last one. Major slide. Yeah, that's but like he, the very last one. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not a great movie, but it's a it's an enjoyable movie. So, I'll have to put it on the list. I've never yeah. heard of it until now. I'll I'll, I'll but, look it up. But Tombstone. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Cosmetos, though, uh, known for Rambo: First Blood Part Two, kind of where Rambo really changed. Uh, <laughs> it stopped being about like a haunting story about war and and the survivors of it, and it's more about muscle oil and and machine guns. <laughs> <laughs> muscle oil muscle oil he gets very oily in that way they really lube him up please tell me that's a technical term for it muscle oil i'm pretty sure i, I can look at <laughs> no i don't want to look it up no nope. it's actually called beef oil <laughs> <laughs> stallone actually plays a side of beef yeah, yeah. it's sentient side of beef <laughs> one of the cows he was punching in rocky he becomes that um <laughs> Amazing. But on a better note, he was he was also known for directing Leviathan, which I actually I really dig that movie. That movie rules. And Cobra, you guys remember Cobra? Did you guys see Cobra? No, with Stallone man. again. Oh, that sounds I've really familiar. That's that's the one where he has to he has to fight the death cult of of, and that's the one where he cuts the pizza with the scissors. <laughs> <laughs> sounds perverted. It is. He walks, he like walks in a shot. And he's like, give me that pizza. And he takes some scissors and like cuts himself a slice of pizza off the whole thing. And it's awful. It's one of the worst things okay, I've seen. Well, now I'm going to watch it just for that scene. <laughs> By myself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> By myself. <laughs> but he's also known for uh, being the son of, hang on. I forget his name. Mike well, clearly this. he's not known for it. <laughs> known for it to me. Yeah. To me. Pa- His name is Panos Cosmatos. That's why I couldn't remember. Panos? Oh, yeah. Okay. Like Thanos with a P? Exactly like that. Yes. But it's just it's kind of crazy that they're that good, their yeah. father-son because they both do the same thing. At least if, if what yeah. I'm seeing in Tombstone is the same thing that I think it is, the way they shoot brutality is very similar. Um, and there's it, watching them actually very fairly recently together, I was like, oh... Yeah, okay, oh, you're say more, son. say more. The, the first shot I thought of was like a bloodied Morgan Earp on the pool table. Is that what you're talking about? That, that um, <clears throat> when they're marching to the, the gunfight and the barn is on fire behind them, very much that shot too. There's something, they like the iconography of like hell and punishment. <laughs> uh, oh, or like uh, when Wyatt Earp comes, awesome. comes stumbling out like with, his, with the blood of his brother all over him, mm-hmm. like that. Do you think... Maybe this is getting us off track. I don't know, man. I'm just going with it. Are they Greek, right? Just do it. Do you think yeah, that's think so. got something to do with it? Because I've, you know, the main criticism I hear about this movie from people who don't like it is that it's cheesy, and it's something I can grant in some places. If you, if you think that like a red-handed 
bloody handed guy going out into the rain and holding them out and looking around going, what do I, what do I do? Get away from me. No. <laughs> like if that's cheesy to you, but I just think it's Greek. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Is it cheesy or is it Greek? New, like, new I, want, side question. I, want, I want George B. Kospitos to direct the Odyssey or the Iliad. That would be really cool. Oh yeah. I, I don't anyway. I don't know if it's Greek, but I, I do about the cheesiness. Maybe we should get into that a little bit later. Yeah, let's yeah, blast yeah. through this casting yeah. crew. Or, right, unless cool. you had a thought, Jesse. No, let's get through the casting crew first. Okay. Um so Kevin Jar. Uh, wrote the story and apparently also directed the scenes with Charlton Heston, although is uncredited, which makes sense because those scenes are terribly directed. He's known for writing The Mummy, uh, The Devil's Own, wow. which is a really weird Harrison Ford Brad Pitt movie that I remember yeah. from being a kid. Uh, terrible accent. Glory. Yes, it's one of the worst. Yeah. Is that it's Brad? That's a terrible Brad Pitt accent, right? Brad Pitt's accent is atrocious in that movie. It's one of the worst <laughs> yeah. accent. Yeah, it's terrible. It's almost as bad as uh, is it? Who's in uh, Michael Collins? Who's the, is it uh, Julia Roberts? That's not it. <laughs> Who am I thinking Michael of? Collins, Julia Roberts. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> if it comes back to you, put it, tell us. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and then also known for writing Rambo First Blood Part 2. Uh, <laughs> he he <sighs> passed away in 2011. Rest in peace. Thank you for your contribution. For stars, we got Kurt Russell here playing Wyatt Earp. Everyone knows Kurt Russell. He's the best. He's he's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I love him and everything yeah. he's in. But especially I wanted to shout out The Thing, Escape from New York, Backdraft, Bone Tomahawk, and and Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2. Because it stands up there with the rest of them, guys. I'm going to be up here on this mountain <laughs> all day by myself. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 2 or right Tombstone Vito. Which one? <laughs> Which one made me sob like a child in the theaters? guardians guys no clearly it's tombstone <laughs> in personal preference it's guardians but in objective quality it's tombstone i agree i agree. okay do you guys have a favorite kurt russell jesse do you have a favorite kurt uh when i watched bone tom hawk honestly like his performance is the thing that sold me on that movie <laughs> it was hard to hard to mm. watch at parts yeah. but man he's just he's such a good western cowboy yeah. And he definitely plays that sheriff really well in Bone Tomahawk. He really he really kind of fixes the screen. So when there are people being bisected, it's not, you know, it's not so upsetting because you're like, well, Kurt Russell's there. So, right. Everything's going to be OK. Yeah, it's, that's it's, right. I'm just going to keep like stroking myself <laughs> and just being like, it's going to be OK. It's going to be OK. <laughs> just imagine his voice. <laughs> Don't do it. Isaac. Don't do it. <laughs> well, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything, man. Your phraseology. Could you stop it? Could you issue. stop? Isaac. Isaac, stop. Step back. <laughs> so Kurt Russell, yeah. Uh, I like him and and I like yeah, I like him even in movies I don't like. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. He's great to watch. He always he's always great to watch. Have you seen Big Trouble in Little China? I have. It's, it's fantastic. Time, he's great. Or like I don't remember which Fast and Furious movie he's in. He's seven so, and eight. So solid. Yeah. He's so solid. He's Mr. Nobody. Um, this... Who's drinking the Belgian beer? Okay, uh, Bone Tomahawk is a really good choice for your favorite Kurt. But Isaac, for your favorite yeah. Russell, what would you say is your favorite? Oh, it's this one. It's Tombstone, no doubt. Um, nice. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we're gonna talk a little more about you know Val Kilmer's electric performance, but nobody talks about 
the just sheer excellence of uh, Kurt Russell's Wyatt Earp. Um, oh yeah, it, like just because he's he's not he's not as flashy as Doc, but you can't have two of them in one movie. He is no. he is perfect as Wyatt Earp. He's so so human. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really just like wrath and tenderness wrapped up in one guy. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to make an argument later that attempts to put Tombstone into kind of a mythic status, and I think Kurt Russell is mythical in this movie. I think that yeah. that argument is also probably in the movie itself. I think it's striving yeah. for something mythical. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I can't wait to hear. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. His performance is amazing. Like, it's like it's greed, it's justice, it's like Mister Macho Man, but also like you can tell he just kind of wants to be tender with this mm-hmm. with this girl, you know. Ah, uh, but like. My favorite part of the movie is just the sheer badassness of Kurt Russell playing <laughs> Wyatt Earp. Yeah. You tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me. Oh, you love to hear it. Yeah. I, I, do. Oh, I look forward to that part every time. He puts his boot under Ike Clanton's face and then just like cuts his <laughs> lip open with his spur. Oh, man. Is this yeah. bloodlust? If it's bloodlust, I'm sorry, but it's so good. <laughs> it's it's oh, really it's, good. It's but it starts great. with that, right? It starts with that in his when he steps off the train. First thing he does, take a whip away from a guy who's beating a horse and smack him in the face with it, right? Yep. Yeah, that's tenderness and violence in one action, right? Mm-hmm. Now that's a that's a that's a character setup. Yeah, and no, it's, it's justice and brutality all thrown into mm-hmm. one beautiful opening. Yeah, yeah. And then the revelation later on that he's only ever killed one man as a marshal is genuinely surprising, right? Yeah, he seems like a a battle hardened like warrior. It's so bizarre. Like, I I cannot believe that he only killed one person. To be honest, yeah. Well, I yeah, I don't know. I know some of the history that the movie is uh, based on, but not all of it. From from what I understand, both Wyatt and Doc were experts at sort of putting their own personal myth to use. You know, they knew that their reputations preceded them where they went. Doc and- killed, killed a lot of me. Doc killed a lot of people. <laughs> Wyatt, I don't think yeah. he did up until Tombstone. I think, I think in that, that kind of way to it, it just behooves you not to kill someone so much as it does to, to kind of win them over a little bit. Um, try and get along with people. That seems to be the goal. Cause if, if, if you're a murderer and you're out there, and you're masquerading as a police officer, but your solution to conflicts is, is killing. I mean, it, it can turn into a dictatorship pretty quick. Yeah. Which it, is exactly it, what the it's Clanton about gang accuses them of doing, right? Exactly. Some alt-right Clantons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but moving, uh, we got we got Val Kilmer here, Doc Holliday. Um, fantastic here. Probably his best performance ever, right? I, yeah, man. Yeah. No argument yeah. for yeah. me. Yeah, but it's he's almost also... a cliche to say that Doc Hall, uh, uh, Val Kilmer was uh, Oscar snubbed for this performance. Yeah. What are you going to no, do? It's, it's very much, he owns the screen every second he's there. And when he's not there, you notice he's gone. And it's kind of clear, too, that after his, his death, the movie fizzles a little bit. Like it has a little bit of a harder time keeping going. It doesn't feel as electric. And I missed him a lot. Well, it is uh, almost done. Yeah, when only yeah, like, that's that's the very end when Doc dies. Isn't, like, yeah. isn't there only like four that. minutes? There's, yeah, but it, yeah. You, you when you know he's not there, the <laughs> air kind of goes out, and that's actually <laughs> we'll get to it later. It's oh, it's no, after man. he dies that I have an issue. 
Really? Keep oh, oh, oh. Okay. I think I can't wait to find out if our beefs measure up because I uh, <laughs> oh. say the same thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. I think our beefs are slightly different. <laughs> slightly. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see when you pull out. But he's, Val Kilmer's known, of course, for things like Top Gun. He's known for being in, in so much that we love and know, and then so Batman. sadly falling out of our lives. Yeah. He's known for um, Batman, too. And yeah, kiss, kiss, he's bang, done bang. some other stuff. Yeah. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, yeah. Batman, uh, the Saint. That's true. The Saint. That, that's one I saw a lot when I was a kid. I don't remember anything about it. It's a lot of costumes, right? Yeah, he's he's a master of disguise. Uh, it's it's a good movie. <clears throat> good, good, not great. The really master of disguise I remember the most was the one with Dana Carvey. That's the one that I really remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and of course, as we were talking about too in his documentary, Val is back this year. And so if you want to check out and see where he's been for the last 10 or so years, watch Val. It's on Amazon Prime. And it's it's yeah. it's informative, if nothing else. We got Bill Paxton as, mm. as Morgan Earp, who we've talked about before on uh, Alien. Aliens, sorry. He's game over, man. Game over for all of you. <laughs> oh, such a good line. <laughs> <laughs> And and I, I miss him a lot. I uh, it, he, he went really suddenly, and it was it was kind of hard listening to that. I was like, oh man, because <laughs> I would just love he just show up in so much all the time, and he he worked so consistently. Yeah, but he's also known for stuff like even Twister, Apollo thirteen. He's really good in Frailty. You guys ever saw Frailty with Matthew McConaughey? That one's a really good horror movie. Oh, remember him in, in uh, uh, Nightcrawler as the opposing videographer? Do you guys ever see Nightcrawler? Oh, you're gonna I'm hate me. I've still I've, not seen Nightcrawler either. I've yet. never seen it. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so good in Nightcrawler. He's such a piece of shit. See, this is why we need Mike. Mike's seen Nightcrawler. <laughs> Mike's seen Nightcrawler. He yeah. loves Nightcrawler. Edward Tomorrow. Yep. Blank no? look from me. Just, <laughs> just, okay. Do you do you like yeah. wait, do you like Edge of Tomorrow, Jesse? Alright, that's a Tom Cruise one, right? With Emily Blunt, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that okay. one's great. That's, that's a great a state, fun action movie. That's a stay tuned if I have anything to say about it. Oh, out. yeah. All right. And then we got uh, Sam Elliott here as Virgil, also known as the mustache. <laughs> yeah, dude. This, how has this guy gone so long with the same mustache and never done anything about it? Like he just, he just keeps it there. It's like, I'm this is it. This is my look. This is how I look. Yeah. Well, when you're coming home from a long night, you want to tuck into your mustache and find <laughs> Some crackers, some, <laughs> some leftover soup, <laughs> a little bit of fish stick. Yep, that's in there too. <laughs> I what? I don't I don't uh, I don't disagree with your choice of referring to him as the mustache, but isn't that like every single character in Tombstone? <laughs> they all have glorious mustaches. This is true. This yeah. is true. And actually, it, it leads me into something, Jesse. I. I I'd like to call it sidebar. Sidebar. All right. Out of all these mustaches, out of all these people, who is the best mustache? Oh, I I think it's Elliot. I think it's Sam Elliot for sure. I dude, that. That mustache is iconic. (laughs) All right. Well, actually, now now that I'm looking at everything, though, his mustache is great. And then Doc has. A wonderful, like, you know, buccaneer mustache. Oh, it's also, dandy. He has a dandy mustache. A dandy mustache. Elliot's is not dandy. That's <laughs> true. It's, it's unkempt. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Sam Elliot. That's the one I'm going to go for. 
How about how about you, Isaac? Who who um, has your gonna, who has your mustachioed heart? Sam Elliott's is great, uh, but it's uh, you could you could sweep a patio with that thing. Um, there's <laughs> oh, yeah. just no there's me. just no effort put into it. He's just let it grow like some uh, the Amazonian jungle, and uh, mm, that's um, the way I like it. The- <laughs> <laughs> I like how Kurt Russell's mustache has been, uh, you know, styled. That's a really pretty, good mustache. It's pretty great. It's it's luxurious, and uh, down at down at the end, it's got this. It's a like, little bit almost natural. It's us. It's yeah. not this, you know, um, fancy little twirl. whiplash. It's, yeah. it's a strong, brazen sweep. <laughs> Yeah. Very well described. It speaks very much of like the intentionality of his character. Like, I don't think he's a guy who ever does something without it having kind of a purpose or without it just being fun. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to both of those things about yeah. him. Yeah. That's a great mustache. It I, is a I, fine face caterpillar. I am going to say, I'm actually, I, I was wondering if someone was going to pick him. I'm surprised that there's no love for what I think for me is my favorite mustache here. It's Johnny Ringo. Michael Bean oh, as Johnny oh, Ringo. Hail. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. It's so good. It's fantastic. And he gets so many close-ups. And I was just looking at this thing last night. I was like, wow, it's so healthy. It's so straight. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh. And he oh, also and has he knows the same too. Kurt Russell thing. Yeah. Yeah. He knows it too. Right after that uh, exchange in the saloon with him and Doc Holliday, he does that little thumb sweep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's Left, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, all of the people I know who do not like this movie are women. My wife mm. had absolutely zero interest in watching this with me. And I think this is the third time in our marriage that I've watched yeah. it. And every single time she goes, should I see it? I said, yeah. it's it's pretty bang, bang, pew, pew, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> and she said, what else? I said, well, there's a lot of yelling and uh tragedy and she said is it all dues i said yeah she goes oh no thank you <laughs> so well, she noped out every time not yeah, my, all my... dudes there's you know the the Wyatt oh, sure. Earp's wife who becomes a drug addict and then the other woman who he has a you know love at first sight thing with spirited actress the spirited actress yeah. i don't even remember what her name is and there's also big exactly? nose kate is doc holiday's girlfriend that's right Oh yeah, who like yeah. disappears halfway through the movie? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, where... okay. This is a good time to bring up one of those uh, extra scenes because there is a really important scene. Uh, it's like a minute long, and they cut it where uh, it's when uh, Wyatt is going to ride off on his revenge ride. Right, he sent everybody out of Tombstone. They show a scene where Doc Holliday is taking his leave of Big Nose Kate, saddling up his horse. She's chewing him out. And he's like, I've got to go because Wyatt Earp's my friend. And he has this amazing line. I think it's when he swings up onto the saddle. And he looks down at her and he goes, have you no kind words to say to me before I ride away? She doesn't answer. And he goes, I'll calculate not. And he rides off. And uh, that line is a callback to an earlier movie, Burt Lancaster's uh, Gunfight at the OK Corral. That oh. theme song has a line in it that goes, have you no kind words to say before I ride away? So it's just one of those little tidbits that shows Tombstone is uh, showing its debt to the older movies. Yeah. Is it maybe a little self-aware? Yeah. For, oh, definitely. 
Oh, and then just just to be clear for our listening audience, there there are two versions of this movie. There's one which, as far as I can tell, can only be found on standard definition hard copy DVD, and then the regular one. Exactly, and that's like the director's cut with five extra minutes, right, Isaac? It's about five extra minutes at this four extra scenes. And uh, I would have appreciated that scene, though. I mean, it's like a one minute scene. I don't know why it was cut. This movie's already over two hours long, right? Apparently, it was cut down from about even the director's cut is cut down from like three hours. I want to see all of it. That would but, be a long ass movie. Uh, it's well, length, no, length doesn't no, we matter saw to that me. Movie. By, uh, the what? We already saw that movie, Isaac. It's called Wyatt Earp. Okay. Oh, are we going to talk about that? <laughs> we going to talk about that steaming pile of horseshit masquerading as an interesting film? Are we going to talk well, about we'll get that to it blowhard this... Kevin Costner's <laughs> project uh, showing us Wyatt Earp's depth and? Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, we'll get to it in nostalgia and first impressions. We will. We will. But so, wait, what did, did I end the sidebar? Oh, shit. No, the you sidebar. Haven't. Sidebar ended. <laughs> I'll keep prodding. So who who's next in this cast? We we just got out of a very long sidebar. Sorry, yeah, Jesse. Long, long. I'm, uh, I keep causing strays. I'm sorry. No, we love, we love strays. This go is great. It. We love strays. We we let them run. We let them run across the farms. So we mentioned Michael Bean here, also out of Aliens, also the Terminator, also the Rock, in a lot of stuff, uh, especially back when. Um, not so much recently. A lot of TV work now. We also have though the the late great Charlton Heston um, needs no introduction in a few scenes here, and it's nice seeing him. But he looked a little, he looked a little worse for the wear. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Um, it was kind of sad. He, had, he, I could still see his like big old hands, and I could still hear his voice, but he was he was slightly diminished. Yeah. Apparently, a lot of his scenes ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Don't know. It, it's a little bit of an extra character. It's it's it, it's clear they made room for him in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it's not pressing that he's here. Yeah. Okay, we got Stephen Lang in the upcoming Avatars two through five. Oh, <laughs> I don't know how because sure, he died yeah. in the first one. <laughs> Wait, what? Okay, I'm just gonna yeah, okay. <laughs> I yeah, but he's also the uh the blind man in, in Don't Breathe. Um and he's receiving quite a late career resurgence there. It's deeply unpleasant movies. Um yeah. Oh, can I do I love your little note, or maybe it's Mike's note, I don't know who wrote that, but Avatars two through five, James Cameron's Pyramid Scheme. <laughs> I am not convinced those are real movies. I am not. He keeps updating us and he give, he's given us like titles and he's given production stills. I don't think so, man. This is an elaborate tax fraud. <laughs> elaborate. He's building sets out of nothing. He's just chant funneling money. I don't know where it's going or why. But I'll make an Avatar movie, and then you guys make an Avatar movie based on my Avatar movie, and then you guys get more people to. <laughs> yeah, it's a multi-level marketing, <laughs> multi-level. Hey, girl, it's been a long time since the red carpet. <laughs> so, how you doing? Uh, exactly. Living that um, dad life. <laughs> How'd you like to make a little extra Avatar on the side? <laughs> <laughs> oh just okay. sign up a few of your friends yeah. um we have uh but anyway if, if he does come out in those movies and we do get to see Stephen lang resurrected from the dead then we will update you on that thomas hayden church best part of spider-man 3 we have here <laughs> um at least for me i don't know is it the sandman's the best part of that whole thing 
but he's also in like Sideways, and he's a beloved, mm. he's a beloved character actor, along with Michael Rooker, who we know from Guardians of the Galaxy, and also anything that James Gunn ever makes ever. Yeah. Terry O'Quinn, best known as John yeah. Locke and Lost. Uh, yeah, just shocking when of- you realize he's in that movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just like. I had this crazy moment when I was watching the movie. It's just like that. That's Locke. That's Locke from Lost. I know that <laughs> voice, uh, which is so great because I hardly see him in anything. I he's also in uh, an Amazon show called Patriot, which I really like. It's a like a dark comedy spy movie. It's really weird, but hmm. he plays a dad. I really like him in that one. Dark comedy spy movie is kind of is a is a good pitch. Well, if he plays a dad, we like him. <laughs> we stand stand for dads only he's a terrible dad he's like sending his son out on these extremely dangerous missions and doesn't never mind him. i take it back <laughs> terrible crap dad, dad in that one. <laughs> <laughs> just crap dad crap dad energy yeah but we also have for briefly for like two scenes we have a surprise billy bob thornton I like in the notes, Jesse, when we wrote this up, you were like, he's in Amazon's Goliath and season one of Fargo. I was like, also nominated for three Academy Awards. <laughs> I don't care. I, I Honestly, it's really just for Fargo. I love him in Fargo. He's a brilliant character. Yeah. If you haven't seen season one Fargo, then you should watch it because he plays a terrifying villain in that whole se- in that season. He is a master. Yeah. Uh, question yeah. In, in in Fargo does does he like them French fried taters? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I think he actually has potatoes at one point. I, don't know. I never never checked. <laughs> I think I killed Isaac. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, but he's nominated. He won an Oscar and was uh, for Sling Blade for writing it. And he was nominated for acting. Um, he's also been in Monsters Ball. He is Bad Santa. He's in Armageddon. And he's worked twice with the Coens, a man who wasn't there and intolerable cruelty. Also in Bandits with Bruce Willis and Kate Blanchett, which is a movie I've seen like an insane number of times that I don't like at all. But in my childhood, it just followed me around on DVD or on TV. And it's like I couldn't get away from Bandits. Bandits was on all the time. And I've seen it so many times and I wish that I could delete it from my head and use that space for other things. But I just have the entire runtime of 2002's <laughs> Bandits. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. Oh, I've never been able to tell okay. that to anyone. I'm sorry. Sounds like a problem that we cannot help you with, Vito. <laughs> that is a strange problem. Like, when there's a movie I don't want to watch, I turn the TV off. I know, like, but- no, no, it's a movie. <laughs> Gotta be watched! <laughs> No, there's a sense of completion that can hit, even when you know you're not enjoying something. Like, some people have it with books. I have it with bad seasons of Survivor. <laughs> you're like, well, uh, we're in it. We're in uh, it. Jeff Probst seems to hate it as much as I do, so let's just keep going and see what happens. If Jeff is still there, then I'm still there. He's not been voted off yet, mm. so... I keep watching. <laughs> I, I just must clarify. Also, I was I was nine, uh, so it was still a movie, and I, I think I liked it then. It's just upon reflection now, I really Vito, hate it. Vito, it sounds like you're worried we're going to judge you for this. We're, we're just <laughs> I'm just not. letting we're you know. I really you ever yeah, see I don't care. the film Bandits with Bruce Willis <laughs> and Kate Blanchett and Billy Bob? I've seen it a lot and don't like Amazing. it. Amazing. <laughs> okay. As long Yo, as that's Billy clear. Bob Thornton in Tombstone, though uh, he apparently didn't get any lines he was just he was told you ad-lib this scene he was just told to be a bully nice and it came out great 
He's a great bully. <laughs> it's like you... playing cards with my brother's children. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's called nieces and nephews, dude. <laughs> Get that she <laughs> out of my face. You're going to say something or you're going to stand listen, I'm, go, I'm getting awful tired of your level. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh, but even better is the follow-up on that on that scene when he, oh, he so goes good. home and gets a shotgun <laughs> and then stumps over to try and shoot this guy who kicked him out of the pharaoh table and uh i mean yeah you guys know it that that scene where i got i got ends. doc's line it's yeah. uh yeah what is it he said i forgot you were there yeah. <laughs> you may go now <laughs> yeah <laughs> just and leave then the tries, oh yeah. it's so perfect yeah. this perfect acting billy bob thornton <laughs> turns away and then and then kurt russell goes just leave that shotgun and <laughs> billy bob turns around and awkwardly tries to hand it to him and Wyatt just goes, just leave it. Just leave it. And he's like, <laughs> like really unsure though. Like he uh, kind of takes it back a little bit and is like, really, yeah. he tries to lower uh, it to the ground nicely. It's just gold, man. It's just gold. And then, and then it's as he's putting it down, he goes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when, when yeah, the stewardess is, is like, is, have a good flight. And you're like, you too. This is a guy's movie, man. It really is. Uh, such a but great I don't, scene. yeah. Also, yeah, I, I wish... just, I love that it's like the reunion between the herbs and Doc and everything mm-hmm. just stops. You think there's going to be a shootout and no, the whole thing just stops because they've seen each other. And then there's Wonderful. the acknowledgement. Oh yeah, this guy's like waiting on us mm-hmm. because he wants to shoot us. Oh, and look at how they <laughs> y'all done yet? Y'all done yet? Yeah. <laughs> look at how they greet each other too. Like especially Virgil, who says something critical about Doc, like in the the first Earp scene, and and then when he meets him, you can just tell he's hiding a little smile behind that mustache because he yeah. can't help but like Doc Holiday. Low yeah. Doc. Low Doc. Yeah. Final guy I want to mention here is a, is our buddy Billy Zane. I say our buddy, I mean my buddy. I love Billy Zane, yeah. and everyone knows Billy Zane because of Titanic. He he is the asshole who is keeping Rose and Jack apart. He's got the most like dashing and evil eyes of almost anyone I can think of in Hollywood. Like I, I look at him and I and I just assume sinister intent. Am I alone in this? I think he might be. Uh, he plays the actor, right? Yeah. He's got such a sweet face. He's got dark eyes, dark <laughs> eyes, <laughs> and he's bo- and he's boasting at least twice as much eyeliner as Kurt Russell in this movie too, which is also unbelievable. At least. Um, but Isaac, well, you you had a note about wanting to talk about some other people in the background. Yeah, you, not to dwell on it a lot, but I think it's really important to note a number of the people that they've got involved in this project. They've got Harry Carey Jr. playing Marshall Fred White. And Harry Carey Jr. is, as far as I know, he was never like a lead, but he was in almost a hundred Westerns in his day. And uh, some of them are some of the greats. You know, he's in uh, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon. He's in The Searchers. Um, He was just an an absolute regular uh, in uh, John Ford Westerns. So to to cast him as Marshal Fred White, it, it lines up with, you know, my claim that Tombstone is has filial piety as a movie. Right. But there's other dudes, too. There's. um, Oh, Robert Mitchum. They've got Robert Robert Mitchum Mitchum. doing the narration, you know. Yeah. And I don't know how many Westerns he's known for doing, but he's fantastic at El Dorado. Yes. So having him do the narration, that's a that's a callback. That's a that's saying we owe a debt to these old uh, great Western movies. There's I think it's uh, it's Buck Taylor, who's a regular in Gunsmoke. Mm-hmm. And then there's even a fifth cousin of Wyatt Earp himself, 
playing uh, Billy Claiborne, Wyatt Earp III. His story is interesting. He says that being related to Wyatt Earp actually hurt his career in Hollywood, and I wonder if maybe he's just not that good of an actor. <laughs> well, you know, you have to blame your your yeah. failures on somebody. On your fifth yeah, but, cousin. Yeah. <laughs> your fifth cousin, yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> no, but check this out. Think about how think about how Tombstone ends. Robert Mitchum narrating, talking about Wyatt Earp's funeral and how early Western movie stars were pallbearers there, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, in, including Tom Mix. And the last line is Tom Mix wept. There is this attempt, I think, to show one line almost stretching through like the the legendary iconic mythical figures of the old west and then the early movie stars who portrayed them as well right and then tombstone i think is supposed to usher in the new era where you know the actors the pure the beautiful are gunned down like billy zane um in the stagecoach right or like unforgiven does i love that uh what you talked about in the episode of unforgiven Vito, where you're like unforgiven ruins the myth and I think Tombstone's like, well, that's going to happen. Yes. That's just my yeah. two cents. No, it's, it is cool. Just that it's, it's a weird note to end this story on, you know, um, this story about this, this gunfight, which happened in the past. Right. But then to, to, to work so hard to bring it into our, into our present, I think is really interesting. Yeah. What do you think, Jesse? I think that's really, I'm sorry. I'm trying to process all that now. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's this cool. It's like it's trying really hard to to blur the lines. Maybe this is why I was having having an issue with it as a modern Western, because it seems like it's it's trying to draw the through line between all of Westerns and and Western history at the same time. And it's uh, I, I don't think that's what any of the other modern Westerns are really doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's got a unique voice here, and I think it accomplishes that really well. No. Do you think do you think it's subversive in some of the ways that say Unforgiven or uh, even the remake of Three Ten to Yuma are? Did I jump too early into that question? I think Vito, you were talking about wanting to bring that up at some point. We, we let's just talk about it here. Yeah, yeah let's, let's talk about it here. Yeah, or you know, sorry I, to pull us out of the no straight. We can keep going. Of uh, no, 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 right. no, no. But let, let's let's keep going. It, is it subversive? I guess and. So thinking just just for myself, just to set the stage and make sure I'm, I'm clear on what you mean. So 310, in my opinion, is subversive because it it, it feels like it feels shockingly modern. Like these, mm-hmm. it feels like almost like stage dressing that it's a Western. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so bang. It's a bang, bang, gun, gun, run, run. That's the least articulate way of saying that. But I figured it out. <laughs> I felt and it, then, bro. <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. And then True Grit, right, is very much it feels like a Cohen movie. It feels like an other thing. Which, I mean, Cohen, all Cohen stuff is is subversive, and Unforgiven is is doing away with everything that comes before. So this one, as I said up top, feels like an old movie shot like a new movie. In the ways that it's subversive, the 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 violence is definitely subversive. It's it's pretty bloody, I mean, pretty intense. Why well, I don't know. In what other ways are are, are either of you seeing subversion? Uh, maybe a little bit with with the hero uh i kind of see the the turning on its head two two different eras maybe uh you know you have like the the anti-hero sort of clint eastwood character and you have the straight up hero of of john wayne kind of being melded into one who 
who Wyatt Earp is like, you know, a guy who has a wife and doesn't really pay attention to her and has like a clear thing for another woman. And that's not something I've seen a lot in uh in other westerns not that i can think of anyway and he's also a guy who's like you know tough as nails ready to kill but something about him just screams that he is a true hero and not just an anti-hero you know the way it's shot the way he he's made is to be an actual hero an actual man of a myth and legend who kind of deserves it um not just a bloody killer anti-hero like uh clint eastwood Although I'm speaking about the Man No Name trilogy there, and I haven't seen that in a long time, so maybe it's not really that. But even like watching this as a kid, that was always my impression of like Wyatt Earp. Like he's, I've never quite seen this guy here before. I've never quite seen this hero. Yeah, so that's the strongest like subversion I think I can think of. I I agree totally. I um, yeah i I guess I, I guess to continue forward. Wyatt's kind of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is why He's, my wife does not like the movie, I think. I, I think it's a, it's yeah. a good reason not to like it. And it's funny mm-hmm. when I was watching it about seven eighths of the way through the movie. I was like, why is this not a five stars? Like, I, I, I've seen this before. Why do I not? Why do I not remember this as just being like a five star time for me? And it's because his character was really niggling to me. Like He's just a kind of a douchebag to some people and a really wonderful guy to other people. Like he doesn't give a shit about his wife <laughs> at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. She complicated ha- man. <laughs> <laughs> she's having issues from the moment she's on screen. She can't find any laudanum. And he's yeah. like, she's like, she's like, I went, I can't, I can't find any. He just says, okay, honey. And he, he's just as if, as if like her, her issue could be put aside and it, it can't be, she's um, severely depressed and any yeah. time that he could comfort her, like the movie continually shows Morgan comforting his wife, Virgil comforting his wife. Yeah. And then Wyatt kind of being like, uh, yeah. And, and yeah. this is, I'm just going to say right now, my beef, my number one beef with this movie mm-hmm. is in the, Wyatt's wife dies in the postscript. Dude. Okay. <laughs> This is, that is precisely where my beef is located. Very nice. The nature of the beef though is, so tell me, tell me what you mean. Like, why is, why is that your beef with the movie? Um, Because it's trying to set up the love triangle, right? Between his, his fidelity as a, as a husband and then the promise of this new thing. So it's clear his wife has, has insurmountable baggage perhaps, and maybe their marriage just won't survive. And I, I do love the scene when he comes out and he has Morgan's blood on his hands. <laughs> but I think it's so funny when she runs up and he's like, get away from me. And he yeah. turns around to his wife and she's like, oh, you looked at her. And then she walks away. I was like, but he screamed, get away from me. And he's covered in his brother's blood. Can we just be a little reasonable for a second? Oh, but um, she knows why he I know, get away I know, from her, right? Yeah, I know. But the scene, the scene is a microcosm. Can It's not cheesy to me. But it's it, it, it's otherworldly, I guess. It's it's from a different. It's from a theatrical plane. That's, um, dude, that's a great way of putting it. Even the camera shots indicate that. Like you got this weird above view, and uh, oh yeah, theatrical is exactly the word I would use. Yeah. So so my final beef in the end is simply that he gets to be with the actress, and and when there's not another scene with the wife, there's not a goodbye scene, there's not a res- resolution scene, there's nothing with her. She's mm-hmm. nothing except a, yeah. a a bummer and gets yeah. in the way yeah. of Wyatt having fun. That's so that's I, my beef. I have a I have a beef with that 
very that very area. I I don't know how else to put it, but it might be a little bit different uh, from yours. And I I would really the history of Wyatt Earp and his women, the actual history, isn't great. So I'm just going to try to take the movie on its own terms. Sure. And uh, taking the movie on its own terms, they make a big mistake. By not revealing that Maddie Blaylock died of a drug overdose shortly after leaving Tombstone, and saving that for after Wyatt and Josephine have this moment, and they're under the snow, and they dance, and let's get room serviced. You're left not really sure how to feel about that entire situation, right? Yeah. Um, and you're and you're left feeling kind of icky until yeah. the narrator tells you, no, it's actually okay. He is a he is a free man to pursue this woman right now. And uh, why? Why did they save that information for that late? Right? Yeah. Because if the movie all along wants us to think that Wyatt has an infatuation, right? maybe even an emotional affair with this woman, right? However they want us to feel about that, they need to clean that up if they if the, they the want, to, if they want to maintain our notion of Wyatt consistently throughout the yeah. movie, right? Yeah. If the aim is to make us go, this, this man is very flawed, right? Uh, extremely flawed, and this is really, really wrong then you can't just upend that in the very end of the movie and go tricked you. It was fine. Yeah. Yeah. So your stakes are my gone. problem. My problem with it, Vito is a little different from yours. It's the timing of when we get that information shouldn't have been saved to the end. And, and how yeah. aware is Wyatt of this? Probably not at all. Yeah. We're so it still doesn't make it okay. <laughs> I think the implication in the movie is that he does know that, right? Because when he's, at least in the movie, when he's in Tombstone and Josephine is available, the the cut, even the director's cut, doesn't imply that they have anything more than an emotional affair. Yeah. Right? So the fact that he goes to her and says, I will love you for the rest of my life, I think it's pretty clear that the Wyatt we know from the movie wouldn't say that if he didn't think he... Uh, could say that does that make sense yeah yes although it does it does imply that the viewer needs to have a lot of generosity with that character right yeah yeah and that's <clears throat> not that's that's a dramatic failure in my mind but yeah. it's my one beef with the movie so. yeah it's, it's my biggest it's it's to the point where like if i were to do a star rating system yeah. Like I think the movie's a little rocky to start, but after the first after the 15 minute mark, we're just moving until the end. Mm -hmm. And then we have a little bit of like on the ends, you have like a half a star off here and a half a star off here. But it's still <laughs> really good is the thing. The yeah. little bits. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of critics uh well, hate well, the last half after the gunfight. I I guess I'll get into my beef now. Yeah, oh, just yeah. to throw my beef into the ring here. Um, <laughs> I can't wait uh, to get a good look at that beef. Uh, this 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 beef is just it's all at the end. It's all the end part. Like I love <clears throat> scenes from the end. You know, Doc's death. Um, obviously, like the the duel between uh, Doc and Ringo and all that. But it's I think it's when they're at the train station. I think, and then, uh, and Wyatt, I think it's after Wyatt cuts the dude's mouth with, with the spur, and then it heads into um, a montage. The vengeance montage. The vengeance yeah. montage. And then, you know, it's a cool montage. And then it yeah. goes to a gunfight. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then it goes to, to like, Doc getting sick. 
and then the duel, and then another montage, and then Doc in the hospital dying, and then, like, it just, I don't think the, the flow really bothers it's me. Paced, it's paced really weirdly. Yeah. How, like, the, yeah. the climax of the movie you think is going to be the okay corral, so when you get there, you're like, oh, shit, like, really, an hour? Okay. But then there's a whole hour left, like, so they're on top, <laughs> now it's time for them to get their asses kicked for a while. And then, and then they're going to rise and they're going to kill everyone. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. The, the second half of the movie is a little choppy. It's not boring. It's not it's, boring. It's, it's not boring. And, yeah. And it's got, and it's not just action too. There's some, some of the best scenes of the movie are in that second half. You know, it, it looks to me that that's where production problems really showed is yeah. in the second half yeah. of the movie. Right. It, start, it when, starts to feel less seamless. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah that's when it really seems like there's multiple visions right here, tearing it in like slightly different directions. And yeah, I agree. I, I'm not sure who to follow here, but yeah, it's still really entertaining. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was never bored watching this, which is which is a joy. Um, yeah. yeah, it's more than that, though. It's more than um, I don't know. Like not being bored when I watch a movie is a, is a good standard if I just want to relax. Right. But mm hmm. The movie doesn't let go of some really key themes throughout. It's in the second half of the movie that you get that that amazing scene with the uh, uh, Wyatt walking out into the stream uh, under oh, yeah. gunfire, and then the yeah. follow up where they're talking about it. I, I then, love I love that moment too because that that for me is the best that Kurt Russell is is one of the best he's in the whole movie because yeah. the only thing he keeps saying is no. Yep. He just stands up and just starts walking. No. He just says no, no. No. And and that's when he that's when he guns down Curly. And yeah. you're like, no, no, oh my gosh, he did it. How did he do it? Yeah. That that, by the way, is reportedly one of the true stories about Wyatt contained in that movie. He just walked. Yeah. The story is that he actually walked out under heavy gunfire from members of the Clanton gang and uh or whoever it was, I don't know. There were a bunch of them. BN's men, right? Yeah. And uh and gunned down Curly Bill in front of everybody. Wow. And yeah. Also just, at just the fearless. Also at the OK Corral, he really did just stand there and shoot. He mm -hmm. wasn't moving. Yep. That's that a nice throwback to William Money here. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I do think this movie is a response to Unforgiven. But it's, oh, really? It's, there's... Wait, I, actually, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how. Okay, hold on. We're I think we're on a long segment that yeah, opened sorry, up with Isaac asking us how we think it's subversive. But Isaac, you never answered your own question. Do you think it's subversive? Yeah, I do. But I think it's obvious, like we joked before, it's subversive in a really different way from Unforgiven. It takes some of the um, it takes some of the tropes of the Western and tra and transforms them. I think I can think of. I think I can think of three ways. <laughs> um, one is one is an example drawn from a scene that I want to talk about later as my favorite scene. Right. Uh, the classic gun uh, Western trope is the standoff, two gunfighters against each other, right? Who's the fastest draw? And they're out in Main Street mm -hmm. under the sun. And Tombstone takes that trope and turns it into a duel in a foreign language between the two most dangerous men in the movie, right? And then upends it by having Doc Holliday respond to all the pistol uh, flying by taking his cup and just flipping it around <laughs> his finger. To, to make one. fun of the entire tough guy idea, right? Johnny Ringo is a gunfighter of the old world. Doc Holliday is just as much a gunfighter as he is. 
but he is not concerned like with that iconic image. He just undermines the entire thing. He's like the Bugs Bunny of the West. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's another great. another one is the relationship between Doc and uh, Doc and Wyatt. They yeah. are their friendship is not like most Western friendships where it's kind of uns. It's like he saved my life, I saved his. Wyatt just says uh, he makes me laugh, right? And then Doc has this like unex inexplicable loyalty to Wyatt, right? Um, after the after the gunfight uh, in the stream, right? They ask, Doc, why are you here? You should be in bed. And he goes, because Wyatt Earp is my friend. And uh, Turkey Creek Jack or Jack Vermillion, one of the Jacks, goes, uh, hell, I got lots of friends. And around his neck, you can see like a Freemason necklace, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and then Doc just goes, I don't. Right? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so their friendship yeah, yeah. is a little unusual in that you've got the straight man. And then kind of the quirky sidekick. But in this movie, it's the quirky sidekick with the greater power. When he goes to duel Johnny Ringo, uh, he saves Wyatt's life. And it's not quirky. He's genuinely the more dangerous man. Yeah, so absolutely. That is subversive. Yeah. And then finally, the yeah. um, antagonism between Doc and Ringo is very modern. The, that... Um, whole idea of a second self that what representing an inner self right johnny ringo is doc holiday's inner demon personified and the idea that yeah. you got that uh that 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 psychomachia right the the soul of the uh the war of the soul going on where to overcome himself metaphorically doc must literally overcome johnny ringo it's it's luke skywalker going down under the tree and cutting off Darth Vader's head and seeing his own face. It's the same theme, right? And that's, that's really modern. Cool. I did not that's, see that. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah, I um, I stand corrected, Isaac. You're an oak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm an oak, all right. Yeah! <laughs> Man, uh, so watching it this time around, I hadn't watched it in many years. And so, like, the opening scene with all the cowboys in front of the church... Uh, and then you see Johnny Ringo, like, you, you know, shoot the priest or whatever. It's like, oh, that's weird. I thought it was Doc Holliday. I was like, I don't remember this part where Doc Holliday's part of the cowboy game. <laughs> nice. uh, right. So, yeah. That's, yeah. That's very telling that you made that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I didn't. I thought maybe that was a mix up. But now I realize that's very intentional. The whole like later in the movie, he basically says, like, you're me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the the killing of himself, but I I guess do you see like Doc Holliday's character like redeemed because you kind of see him in the pits in the movie, right? Absolutely, man. Remember when the uh, Wyatt goes and visits him in the Glenwood Sanatorium or whatever it's called, and uh, and Doc just mumbles to him, "Father Feeney and I were just investigating the mysteries of the Church of Rome." <laughs> yeah, he he converts to Catholicism on his deathbed. Right. Yeah. And then his last words are to look down at his bare feet and go, oh, this is funny. <laughs> Doc, Doc Holliday is an absolutely redeemed character in the in the movie. Yeah. No, I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah. It's a uh, it's it's kind of a funny redemption because I'm not maybe I don't even understand what uh, Doc Holliday's real real issues are. It's, mm -hmm. It seems like his issues are. Well, I guess maybe like drinking and it's incredibly like, self-destructive. 
Like he wants to die. Hedonistic yeah. self-destruction. <laughs> like he's just living for pleasure. Is is his redemption through like Wyatt Earp and like riding with his gang? Or I guess not really a gang, but it's like measure, living his yeah. life for his friend. That's a good question. I have to think about that. Because I think you're right. I think he is redeemed, but like it's always struck me. His death always so, struck me as a little here. odd. So he, he articulates this really well when he's pretending to be sick and Ringo has issued the challenge and Wyatt is going to go fight him. Uh, I forget what question Wyatt asks, asks him, but Ringo, uh, uh, Doc responds, a man like Johnny Ringo has got a great hole inside him and he can never kill enough or uh, steal enough or whatever it is to fill it. And the reason that Doc can say that is because he, the same thing is true of him. It's why he understands Ringo so well. Mm -hmm. Right. So Doc has, Doc is get, has got this diagnosis. He's dying of tuberculosis. Right. So he seeks out things that will kill him. Yeah. He seeks out occasions of death. Right. And, uh, and yet he never really totally does what Johnny Ringo implies he has done right in the, that fantastic scene in the theater when the, they, they have Faust playing. Right. Yeah. And Curly Bill's like, you know what I do? I'd take the deal and drill that old devil in the ass. Then <laughs> he turns to Johnny and goes, what about you, Juanito? What would you do? And Johnny Ringo just goes, I already did it. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's already Ugh. sold his soul. The man is, he's yeah. demonic. Right. I want yeah. your blood and I want your souls and I Bing. want them both right now. Yes, mm. exactly. Exactly. Right. And Doc I'm is this close. Baby. Doc's this close to being Johnny Ringo. That's yeah. why he has to defeat him. It's so modern, dude. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very nice. Wow. Well, well, I think uh, a good, a good where to, place to go from here then is let's, let's just go right into fave scenes then. Um, yeah, so Isaac just gave his, and Vito, what is what is your favorite scene? It's funny, it I actually did? was Isaac's, which is, well, you, oh, you yeah. mentioned the, the Latin altercation, but you, you oh, have more yeah. to say? <laughs> if you don't want me to. No, but, no, no, you guys go, you guys go. Give me your favorite scenes. Okay, um, well, we'll circle back around, because I do want to hear it. But um, yeah. So mine was that one, because I was really struck, and it made me laugh really hard. But... Uh, I really love the scene when Curly, played by Powers Booth, uh, R.I.P., fantastic, amazing actor, comes stumbling out, drunk, and he says, I, what does he say? I feel fantastic, right? And he's he's twirling in the moonlight, and then he takes his guns out, and he just starts shooting. And him being so drunk, it turns very, the scene turns from like kind of a weird, it feels hellish, but it also feels kind of beautiful and then how it devolves so quickly into madness and violence and blood is really is really disturbing actually and he's he's yeah. loving it he's loving that and he's 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 stumbling perfectly he plays a perfect drunk i have to say that too everyone in this movie who plays a drunk does it better than almost anyone else i have seen i can't even quite get exactly how drunk doc holiday is but he's incredibly drunk well he's powers both in this yeah all the time right <laughs> And That's just the effort that he guns. puts into his speech and uh, Powers Booth as well. Uh, he's, he's losing it and he's stumbling around the streets. And then, the, you know, then the, the cowardly uh, lawman who's in charge of the county is in there. He's like, someone needs to stop him. 
And they all look at the marshal and he's like, okay. He gets up <laughs> and he goes out there. And he's just an old man. He doesn't want any trouble. And it seems like it's going to go okay. And Powers Booth hands over one gun. He takes it. And the other gun shoots him in the heart as he's handing it over. And the marshal goes down. And and now there's a much, much bigger problem for the Yerps. Um, but it's such a beautiful scene because I love it when a when a side character, a character actor gets room to breathe in a, mo- in a movie for a minute. And they give so much room in this movie to all of our character actors. Everyone gets mm-hmm. a chance to shine. And this is the this is Powers Booth's chance. And I love it. I, yeah. I love everything about this. I also love that it's like an accidental death. It's not like the bad guy just shot the marshal, right? Because right. in any other movie, I think it would have been just like, oh, yeah, he was drunk. He shot the marshal coming out. No, he was handing his gun over. He's actually being compliant. He seems he seems quite disturbed by the fact that he did it. I you think know what I mean? Ambiguous. I think it's ambiguous. Well, he, he had he had a moment where he he was shocked as well. I thought at least that, yeah. that's what I read into it. That's that's how I took it too. Like he shot him and was like, oh, like, and then he immediately starts yeah. laughing. You know? Yeah. Well, because he's, he's so he's, drunk. he's out of his mind. He's well, he's <laughs> yeah. on opium too. Yeah, that's right. He's completely that's right. in another world. Before. He's completely yeah. in another world. Right. But I, I, I just, I love the feeling that that scene gave me, and it's, it's not a feeling. The feeling of like grime and and it's, it's a feeling I would associate with watching something like um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Actually, was the last time I can remember thinking, feeling this. At the very end of that, the girl gets away from Leatherface, mm. and he's left spinning around with his chainsaw, no one to kill anymore, as she rides away in the back of a truck. Spoilers for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If anyone listens to this podcast, no one cares about that movie. But uh, <laughs> I, I guarantee you no one does. It's been out a long time, man. Yeah. yeah. Spoilers are beyond us. But the thing is, is that, that that moment is so triumphant and gross, too. It's so grimy and beautiful. And I, I saw that in this scene. And it's something that I, I, that I actually recognize from Mandy as well. There is gross, beautiful stuff in that. And... Uh, it's just something really rare. I don't know. Did you guys pick up on that at all? Makes me think no. of sweat. I don't know. Yeah. The there's a lot of sweat in the movie. Yeah. The, the Curly movie. Bill's red shirt is always just a little bit sweaty. <laughs> I don't know if that <laughs> supports what you're saying, but I don't know. It's a good observation, though. There, there's, there's a, I, there is a lot of sweat. I will. A, I will say that as well. There's a lot of swamp ass in this movie, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most, mostly uh, under Virgil's mustache. <laughs> you don't want to lift up that thing and see what's underneath it. Uh, yeah. It's a I mean, second I do, Sam Elliott. <laughs> I do love how that scene also shows us that, yeah, I do love the terror of, uh, of yeah. like, I was imagining, like, being a townsperson right now, just imagining this guy just, like, shooting all around me <laughs> and that that solidifies their gang as kind of having far too much power and actually being bad because honestly if it was if it's not for this scene and then the opening scene with the the church the cowboys don't seem that bad to me oh you gotta, you gotta uh, a lot of the stuff they're that. doing a lot of the stuff <laughs> they're doing is in retaliation which is pretty it's jesse they killed the women <laughs> They tried to kill the women anyway. That's pretty fucked up. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but <laughs> that, that is... Priest. that Immediately. And even, yeah. even Curly, like, looks up like, what? Like, wait, yeah, are we shooting that, priests now? Yeah, that's the, yeah, the beginning. Yeah, like, what a great touch. <laughs> Curly Bill's like, yeah. oh, okay. And then he laughs and they get to the feast, right? Like, shakes it off. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
it's clear it's a bit yeah that that beginning really solidifies it yeah it really solidifies that the whole cowboy gang is really bad and then and then him shooting also solidifies that and then well like them killing the women that is really bad but it also is in retaliation so that's like it's more understandable rather than like cartoonishly cartoonishly villain which i don't think they ever quite are they uh, no, they, they seem like again. real people. They seem yeah. like real people, yeah. which which makes which makes them more hateables, right? Like I I hate Ike so much. <laughs> I oh, hate be, him so much. Oh, but I, you'd love to hate him. It's yeah. true, it's but I never got to see character. him die. He dies in the postscript. You pimps. drove me nuts. <laughs> you pimps. <laughs> we'll cut your goddamn pimps' heart out. <laughs> They're a faction, the ja- right? The cowboys are a faction. Later on bunch of them are wearing badges under uh Johnny Behan, right? And they've got Behan. a warrant out for the Earps. Piss so on Behan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the I mean it's a time when there's a real there's a real question over who is uh, setting down the law, who's keeping the order. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Um Jesse, what's your favorite scene? Yeah. Uh yeah, my favorite scene is the OK Corral shootout. It is uh that's that shootout is chilling like uh you know they they know that the gang is down there they know they have some guns and Virgil's just like i'm gonna do it and then wyatt reluctantly joins them for some reason doc holiday just happens to be around and oh crap i gotta look this up but he says a really funny line uh that what is why what does wyatt say to him he's like um you don't have to join us or something like that you don't have to do this yeah um, yeah What's Doc Holliday's response? He's like, like hell, or not even like hell, I don't he's like to hell with you. And then he just like joins the, the herbs. Anyway, I'm um, looking for it. I can't, I can't find it just yet. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's going to really bug me if I don't, if I don't know. The problem is that everything out of Doc's mouth is good. <laughs> Every single line he says is pretty great. You know, what? I'm going to skip that. We can edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> But yeah, and then they march down, they're marching down the road and everybody's kind of seeing that they're, they're going to go have a shootout and everybody's oh, like, oh, all right, what is it? What? It's not your problem, Doc. You don't have to mix up in this. Doc Holiday. that's a hell of a thing for you to oh, say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and the look on his face, he's so hurt. <laughs> he's like, yeah. He just comes forward like, what? What are you talking about? It's and then crazy. he stands with yeah, the brothers, yeah. like all, all, all hurt, just over there with, with Morgan and and, uh, and the other, um, what's his name? Virgil. All these names. Ah, Morgan and Virgil. Yeah. Yeah. And then he hands Virgil his cane and Virgil hands him the shock. Oh, it's Good so... bit of foreshadowing. Good bit of foreshadowing there. Yeah. How so? Because Virgil gets shot in the leg like two minutes later and needs the cane. But also historically oh, that yeah. really happened. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, even um, better. Historically, um, uh, they handed Doc the shotgun intentionally. He went down to the OK Corral with a shotgun. Uh, the theory is precisely because he was terrible at the shotgun. I mean, they don't make it that way in the movie, but the real Doc Holliday could not hit a barn door with a shotgun. Um, how, how could you not? Like, you can do it on accident. <laughs> the, I know. But the, all, of, all of the Earps were experts on the shotgun because they used to ride shotgun. Um, oh, okay. And so the theory is that they, you know, handed off the that deadly weapon to the guy who could use it the worst in, intentionally because they did not want to cause any death. Interesting. Right. So, 
Oh, wow. That's cool. really interesting. Yeah. That's the I mean, opposite that's, of how they state it in the movie. Yeah, in the movie, it's like, well, I mean, you could see why, right? The movie yeah. is yeah. the movie is historical when it wants to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it's not a criticism of the movie at all. But they take, anytime they've got a choice between historical and dramatic, they take the dramatic every time. Yeah. <laughs> Historically, though, doesn't Doc Holliday shoot somebody in the chest through with the shotgun? I don't know. Maybe. I think I think I had read that and then immediately he, he throws down the shotgun and picks up a pistol and starts firing at people. <laughs> <laughs> just, just blew those pellets right through that guy. Yeah. Oh, it was actually man. a side of beef. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much beef yeah. in this episode. Oh. But yeah, the he picks up this shotgun and they're walking down the street and they're just like four straight up badasses just going down and you know they're gonna lay down the law in the literal sense uh and then the mayor comes like oh yeah i already took their guns and they keep going anyway <laughs> uh and then when they get there there's uh you know they just kind of stare at each other and then w- w- wait what does Wyatt say he's like oh hell he realizes yeah, it's gonna go south real yeah. quick yeah, Doc and that's when you know. That's yeah. when you know this is going to be like a serious, yeah. a serious winks, shootout. Yeah. He winks at Thomas Hayden Church, and he and I love that. the reaction of his eyes. He's he's like squinting, and he goes like, <gasps> like he's like, "How dare you!" Yeah, he <laughs> winks then, at the music lover, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I love Doc Holliday's. He has the most beautiful shoulder shrug to like. <laughs> like have the trench coat like like just gracefully fall off of his person it's I so agree. cool i agree it is gorgeous <laughs> gorgeous shoulder shrug yeah and then and then what proceeds is just one of the strangest gunfights um i was mm-hmm. watching this this time with uh somebody who'd never seen it and at the end they were like that was not like most gunfights i've seen because yeah. everybody misses yeah, for, like oh, for a while. Everyone's just like shooting, 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 shooting. shooting. Like, <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're like 20 feet away from each other. You and many of them be... shoot significantly more bullets than can fit into one of those guns. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Historically okay. speaking, apparently it was 30 seconds long with 30 bullets released. Yep. And uh, yeah, four, right. or four or five people got shot. I can't remember if it was four or five. Yeah. Uh, but still, apparently that really happened. I think that's really cool. Like they yeah. apparently they tried to be like pretty historically accurate with it. I'm not sure how mm-hmm. how accurate they were, but it's a it's a really cool fight. I the more I think about it, with like you know Erp just standing there and the other guy like diving into uh, into the the building right behind them, and then suddenly he comes out with the gun through the window, and they're turning around all panicked. Um, and Meanwhile, then, like, Josephine Doc- is like modeling for a boudoir photographer yeah. <laughs> next door. Like, I don't know what that's about. But. <laughs> it's enough so that she can come out the back and yeah. be there when Mrs. Earp gets there. And it's like, oh, you're already here. <laughs> <laughs> Makes a lot uh, more sense now that you say that, Vito. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, um, I, I love the scene. I love the tensity. I love the buildup to it. It's it's funny. It's tense. And it's uh, or at least buildup is funny and intense. And then uh, then it explodes to like a, a genuinely thrilling. You don't know who's going to die right there. Like I was wondering because, of course, I knew why it wouldn't die. But I couldn't remember if his brothers did or not. And there was a good chance that either Virgil or Morgan would. There's some like genuine. There, the stakes are very real with this fight. And you kind of feel that going in. 
I, I also I love the I love the geography because so often in in westerns, especially like they're they're easy to make because the, you don't have to worry about the geography of your gun battle, right? Because mm -hmm. usually it's in a, it's in a it's in a big room or it's in an outside field and you know where everyone is because there's like two people, right? But this one, the way that they move the camera, you are always sure of who is where. And that's really, really cool because Dude, that's you can just get point. lost yeah. in modern action scenes. Yep. Yeah. And I, I love that Ike dies off to the side. And then when he starts shooting out the window, Doc has to cut around behind Wyatt to start like return fire. Then Ike ducks out the front door onto Main Street. Mm -hmm. It's just really cool. And it, that is, it keeps your mind engaged while you're also being thrilled, which I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. This makes it, yeah, you're, you're really into the choreography of both dance and violence it makes yeah i didn't i had not even thought of that it, it, i just think it's brilliant and yeah, it, it it's it's brilliant that they knew how to film something and it's brilliant that the people who were there could give such good testimonies as to who was standing where facing whom mm -hmm. how know? the heck did this movie get made how did with all of its problems how it's kind of miraculous that it's so good absolutely yeah right? <laughs> it's just one of those movies that's better than it has any right to be yeah Everyone's got, I, everyone's given it all their sand. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think, yeah. I think I'll just go ahead and say, I think it's because of Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer. Yeah. I don't think this movie would be even close to the same if either of those two people were replaced. The movie yeah. certainly focuses on the two of them more than anything else. At the same time though, um, I think there's something like 85 speaking parts. It's a true ensemble yeah. film, yeah. right? And uh, apparent, according to Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell spent so much time directing behind the scenes and ensuring that the movie would run smoothly that it left him little time to focus on his own role, right? Which is, um, in my mind, a big contrast to Kevin Costner's approach to his movie Wyatt Earp, which was really all about him, right? <laughs> Actually, um, this is this is a, this is a good chance. If I'm sorry, if you're finished with your point, yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, this is a good chance to move into some nostalgia and first impressions because we're, we're bopping sure. around in this episode. We're having fun. But okay, that's yeah. I saw Wyatt Earp when I was very young, like yeah. seven or eight, I think. Ooh. And it was because my dad really, really liked Kevin Costner. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a dad thing. You got to like Kevin Costner. I think especially if you're Gen X, you have to like Kevin Costner. Not all dads. Almost Hash, all dads. Hashtag not all dads. <laughs> <laughs> the way that my dad talked about it, you know, is like this and and uh, and Dances with Wolves. He he ranked them pretty equally, and I, yeah. I remember watching it with him. And the gun battles, the gun battles are really good in Wider, and I really like yeah. Dances with Wolves. But for a long time, he would talk about Tombstone as like like the trashy younger cousin of Wyatt Earp. Like Wyatt Earp is like is like the the epic because it's three hours it's like three and a half hours long. it's so long um but like this is the good movie or there's like this trashy thing um and so i always had that impression of tombstone and i'd never seen it until i was in college oh and, whoa yeah i'd never seen it and it was only in college when i watched it and i said this is so much more exciting than wider <laughs> <laughs> this is so much more yeah. fun yeah. uh and I still have a lot of affection for that movie, but it's impossible for me to judge it objectively at this point because number one, I don't think I want to sit through it again. And number two, I just have the, the golden memories of watching right. it with my father. But this one, it it was a little disappointing at first because the the sour note it leaves on. But each time I've watched it, it has grown more in my estimation. So I think now we're at three times I've seen it. Mm -hmm. And I like it more now than I've ever liked it. I, I really, I really like this movie, and I, and I wish, I wish I had a little bit of a different nostalgia. Um, but I'm happy that I, I, I got to have a good memory with my dad anyway. 
Yeah, I think that counts. Yeah, and and I'm joking around. Like, I'm sure Wyatt Earp has good. its Wyatt Earp has its own virtues as a movie. <laughs> when when um, he throws that pool, that pool, the cue ball at that dude, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, who plays Doc in that movie? I forget. Who is it, it Dennis is. Quaid? Dennis Quaid. It's Dennis Quaid. Yeah, and uh, he's very good. Uh, it's it pales in comparison to Val Kilmer, but everything would. And uh, Costner, for the record, is really good in open range. So fantastic. Oh, yeah. That's also one that was cut in the very first round of us discussing. Yeah. I threw open range out there. It's like, any yeah. love for this? But yeah, yeah, great movie. I, I that's like a good that. I do have love for that one. <laughs> yeah, but not as much as, as any of the ones that we've already done. Yeah. So yeah. I, I did want to share here then, since since you brought up open range, I didn't do it. That's the very first R-rated movie I saw in theaters. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. It was my 10th birthday. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. We have different childhoods, Vito. <laughs> you want to know the first movie I ever saw in any theater ever? What? You never guess it. Oh, hold on. Shrek. No. No, no. It would never. No, I knew it wouldn't have been Shrek. Let's spend 10 what, minutes it, guessing, all right? Was it Prince of Egypt? No. <laughs> wait, wait. Earlier or later? Oh, when yeah. the Prince of Egypt? Later. Um, The Departed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be no, amazing. No, no. would be the amazing. The first movie I ever saw in a theater was uh, The Two Towers. Oh. Oh, yeah. I was... I so, wait, how old were you? Too old to be seeing my first movie in a theater, but <laughs> it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because the very first PG-13 movie I saw in a theater was Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. When did Two Towers come out? Like 2002. 2002. Yeah. yeah. I would have been 14 or 15, I think. That is too old. I know, man. Wow. It's all good. It's all good. But I mean, still, I that probably just like, rocked, yeah. rocked your world. Oh, man. The battle at uh, <laughs> Helm's Deep was just, yeah, I thought of nothing else for forever. But this is a podcast about Tombstone. <laughs> and- <laughs> it's easy to forget because, man, I was just thinking like if. Man, if that was the first movie I'd ever seen in theaters, I think I would have been so blown away. I was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would have been so incredible. Yeah. I can still see it now. The Urukai <laughs> moving on the moving on moving on the walls. Bump, 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 bump. Yep. The rain yeah. pouring. Oh, and the moment when anyway. So what are we is. doing? What anyway, are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. But, but, we, we're not talking about sidebar. 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 <laughs> All right. I, I gave my first R rated movie in theaters. I want to know what your guys' are. Oh man, might be three hundred. That's a pretty good first one. Yeah, that would also blow my mind because I, I remember maybe like Passion of the Christ. Yeah, that that yeah. yeah that could track. I did not see that in theaters. I I yeah. feel like that would have maybe psychologically broken me. <laughs> yeah i I don't remember. Like this was a huge deal back in the day, right? But like. Now I don't even recall. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I just I just wanted to know because uh, yeah. I've been saving that one. I was like, I could wait until we do the open range pod and then I can say it then. And I was like, but honestly, when would we ever get to that? Yeah. So I'll just say, I just wanted to say it here. Modern can I, Western can I, can I part two. Can within the sidebar? Oh, do Please it. Do. Sideception. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Beefception. <laughs> it's getting stupider the more it comes back. <laughs> What would Mike say? Ooh. Oh. I'm, 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 ec- I'm ecstatic to be here with the two of you. 
I have to confess that every now and then in the middle of our conversation, I'm wondering what Mike would, would say, what he would chime in. Yeah. On, you know? I'm going to say no country for old men. No, um, no, nope. He, he definitely saw one earlier than that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what would, what did he see? Did he see 300? I don't know. He might've been like too, too, uh, too cool for that. You know, uh, Mike. I'm just I'm just gonna like throw <laughs> yeah. quite an aspersion on his character. I'm curious about what Mike would say about most of the stuff we've talked about. Like, does Mike like Tombstone? I don't know. See, I don't even know. I I, I don't know. Yeah, this is really interesting yeah. to me because like this whole situation is funny. You guys mentioned Tombstone as a possible inclusion, but you like the two of you guys had much more personal and uh, deep attachments to some of the other movies that you chose. Yeah. Right. Tombstone's relatively new, not new, not relatively. It's as old as I am. You've had relatively few viewings of it is what I mean. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Um, Yeah. Well, maybe curious, like would Mike be in here going like Tombstone is, uh, is just okay. Or I don't know that much about Tombstone or. I, yeah, I I'm think just curious. I, what Mike would say in general, and I'm uh, this is not me casting aspersions on his character, yeah. but what Mike would say is he probably didn't care for it originally or thought it was okay. It, just to do an impression of Mike, I yeah. eh, thought it was okay. But he would have gotten really into talking about like the meat of the movie, like what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And and I've noticed that Mike Mike is a is a very open and questioning guy. And when he finds yeah. that there's stuff to explore, he gets really into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of missing him on this pod because I, I want him to to dive more into what all this movie is. Wait, Jesse, Jesse, do you want him to talk about the themes? Ah, <laughs> the themes. <laughs> uh, yeah, the themes, the themes. The themes. The Mike, theme. Mike is Mike is our lovely theme master. He's our he's yeah. our themist. Themester. Um, we're we're currently in a sidebar within a sidebar, but. Maybe concerning the topic of themes, um, I do I do want to address one of them, the mythic thing I was talking about earlier. You you got you got to pull back then. You got to pull back out because sidebars have to be per subject. So let me pull out of the mic sidebar, and then Vito, let you handle your sidebar. All right, and now I'm I'm pulling out of my sidebar, (laughs) saying thank you guys for sharing your theatrical experiences (laughs) with this. Brilliant. Okay, so so well executed. Yeah. Really well executed, yeah. So now now, now we're out and, and yeah. free, and you want to talk about myths. Yeah, a little bit, but I want to I, I want to go just a little bit deeper into my favorite scene, if that's okay. Of the, course, uh, yeah. And so, maybe, maybe you can like tie your, your first impressions and your nostalgia in, too. Weave, weave us a tapestry. Actually, I absolutely can. I, nice! Th- I, I didn't even think of doing it this way. Okay, so let, th- then I can actually start with nostalgia and first impressions. So... Um, when I was a sophomore in high school, I did a, we got an opportunity to do a project in history on some American figure. And, uh, I was like, well, why don't I do one on Doc Holliday? And I mentioned to my dad that I wanted to do a project on Doc Holliday. I don't remember if it was a paper or a poster or whatever it was. I don't remember. But he said, oh, well, we've got this movie Tombstone and, uh, you're a little young to see it. But I'll show you a few scenes from it featuring Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. So I was like, all right, yeah, sure. And then he showed me a few scenes and uh, I was just enthralled. You know, I'd really never seen 
anything like that in my life. I'd never seen such a, um, I don't know what you would call it, such a character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't see the full tombstone for some time after that. But uh, one of the scenes that we watched and the one that stuck with me the most is uh, the Latin duel. And he showed me that one because I was also taking Latin in high school at the time. Right. And so we we viewed it and we talked about it. And that scene is I, I would I would stand by this. That scene is one of the best written scenes in any movie ever. The, the all of Tombstone itself, I recognize that that um, the my opinion of it is largely because of my personal enjoyment and attachment to it. Mm. It's yeah. not it's not the greatest Western ever made. It's not in the great pantheon of movies, but it's one of my personal favorites. And scenes like this scene, though, is up there with the best that's ever been done. And I'll tell you why. Um, the Latin comes in after Doc has been kind of insulting Ringo, right? And uh, Ringo makes this threatening movement towards him and uh, Wyatt goes, he's drunk. And Doc goes, just mumbles into his glass in vino veritas. Mm -hmm. So he speaks Latin. He says something that's further insulting to Johnny Ringo, but there's no way he could have known Ringo would have understood him, right? Um, and, and in vino veritas, in wine, there is truth, right? He means, I'm just saying truth I wouldn't say if I were sober, right? So, <laughs> and Ringo leans in and goes, Aje Quaragis. And Doc's face, the music and Doc's face, when that happens, he looks up like he's just seen a ghost, right? Realizing, oh, Johnny Ringo got an education at some point that allows him to, uh, to, to, to speak this with me, right? And Aje Quaragis has, I think, two meanings. It means do what you are doing, which is a devilish thing to say to someone who's a drunk, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's just, it's devilish. It's like, you're a piece of shit. Just keep doing what you're doing, you drunk. It also means, the Latin idiom is uh, do what you're doing carefully. That is, in modern English, watch your step holiday. Okay? Um, <laughs> Doc responds by quoting Horace and says, uh, uh, Creda Judaeus appella non ego, which means let the Jew appella believe it, not I. And it, the, the idiom means uh, tell it to someone else, Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ringo comes back and quotes Livy and oh. Doc and goes, uh, Eventus stultorum magister and he fingers his gun on magister and that uh that's livy and it means that um events are the teachers of fools meaning anyone can be wise after the outcome but tapping his gun means you will learn a lesson from me right and and then nice. doc responds in pace requiescat right which is r.i.p but with the verb in the right place and so let it uh, 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 in pace requiescat, may it rest in peace. The it is the fool. You just said, may the fool rest in peace, Very which nice. is a foreshadowing of the uh, 
the death of Johnny Ringo, right? So, so that's a really well written piece of dialogue right there. Oh, and then it's all undercut by Marshall Fred White going, "Come on, boys, we don't want any trouble in here, not in any language." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but, what y'all are saying, but it sounds uh, yeah. rough. <laughs> well, they can all tell that there's something under the surface here that is extremely dangerous and threatening. And yet they're all kind of looking back and forth at each other going, what, what's going on right now? Yeah. Right. Well, that but the beauty the of the Latin, scene too, is that like, I didn't have to understand the Latin at all. Mm-hmm. I understood that. Yeah. I understood all of that in essence. Like, yeah, they're, they're quipping at each other in Latin. And, but now that you yeah. know, they're not just using literal Latin phrases to insult each other, but they're using references to great yeah. works to engage in dialogue with one another, to duel. Right. Yeah. Isn't that so much cooler? <laughs> that is really, really cool. <laughs> that is and really awesome. I would argue that that use of Latin, and this is an insight that I got from my dad. I would argue that that use of Latin catapults that scene up into mythic status. Right. They're using an immortal language, a language of ancient myth. Virgil's Aeneid, Wyatt Earp, and his immortals. Anyway, that is yeah. my deep dive on the Latin duel in Tombstone. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well <laughs> argued and put. Yeah, very nice. I yeah. did not know that much. Wow. I mean, Doc Holliday's whole character is super mythic. Like, you know, uh, him speaking Latin or or playing Chopin. You know, uh, like Frederick who is <laughs> Chopin? <laughs> <laughs> One of the most quoted lines. Yeah. Foster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you so play good. old dog Trey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, it was funny while like watching it this time, I was, I was thinking about who else is kind of like this. And the only other person I can really think of is like Jack Sparrow, which now that I think about it, he must have clearly been based off of this guy. Yeah. You know, here's a, who's a drunk guy who kind of Could stumbles be, around yeah. as if he well, has a plan or it, not have a plan. It's uh, actually funny that, that you bring that up because I was just watching earlier today, a, a documentary on Hunter S. Thompson. Um, yeah. and <laughs> So Hunter S. Thompson, of course, is the gonzo journalist who wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, right? Uh And who was himself a paranoid, uh, drug-crazed kind of weirdo who is also a genius. But Johnny Depp plays him in Fear and Loathing. And then he can't shake that ever again. He he is always a little bit Hunter S. Thompson, plays him a couple more times. But that's in like the late 90s. And then Pirates of the Caribbean is 2003. So the, the wobbly, like this kind of thing, the kind of crazed, paranoid, twitchy, weird, that was already a guy that was alive before Tombstone came out and who was already very famous. So these things just sort of, it seems like they feed into each other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. But yeah. So with the, yeah, I do love the, the twitchy Jack Sparrow, which is funny because Doc Holliday also has like these weird finger movements that he does at times. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he does the exact same coin passing on his own fingers. Oh yeah. yeah, Badasses do that. That, that, That's a badass trademark. You do that. if You're a badass. Is it a badass trope? Yeah, did not know yeah. that, but it's it's. I'm, I'm trying to learn it myself. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think it means me. you're sneaky. You're good with your hands. Yeah, sneaky, sir. I think it but, means you're charismatic. <laughs> and you, that's what the stars tell me. You have a cool name like Vito. <laughs> yeah, the problem with with the the cool guy badass list, right, is that I I keep looking at explosions. I just can't turn around. You're supposed to turn around you and there's practice, a man. Just get some practice in. Vito, <laughs> uh, you know, it's real easy. When the explosion starts, 
you just take the direction that you're facing and put it on the other side. I, I know in, in theory, but explosions are so cool that I feel like I'm robbing myself if yeah, I don't look at it. I want to see them. It's like free fireworks that I started. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. Bit of gas in that person's house. <laughs> A classic action hero who's just like, I can't look away. It's just really cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. All right, sorry, um, I, I sorry, I gotta close something off real quick. So the the Jack Sparrow like thing, like is already kind of a mythic character anyway. But then Doc Holliday takes it to the next level because he's not someone who's just blindly stumbling around like a fool. He's not just a fool. He acts like a fool sometimes, and some in some ways he is one because it seems like he's, you know, just what does he call himself? Just the biggest hypocrite or walking hypocrisy, something like that. Mm, he doesn't yeah. say either of those things. Like, um, he does say he knows he's a, no bounds. My yeah. hypocrisy knows no bounds, right? That's something that a fool, uh, that's a quality of a fool. He I also guess. knows that um, like the, all he, of the things that he's given himself to embodied in big nose Kate, right? Uh, mm -hmm. He says that again, you may be the antichrist. Christ. Yeah. Right. He, he also he also says my hypocrisy only goes so far. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> with, just, the just, yeah. with the badge, with the badge, yeah. My just, hypocrisy like, he goes back and forth. Funny. Well, yeah, I think uh, I think he says my hypocrisy only goes so far, and then when he's on his deathbed, he says right. my hypocrisy knows no bounds. It's like one right after the other. <laughs> and he's referring to his conversion to Catholicism, right? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I I really I really love the mythic doc, the guy who is such a fool and so smart and like the fastest gunslinger of the West, all tied in one, so clearly portrayed in this movie, which honestly, I think Doc Holliday's character elevates this movie to to a mythic stat the cult mythic status that it has almost single handedly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, he is I, he is responsible I, for two of the four stars I give this movie. <laughs> I I see what you're saying, Jesse, but I really think it wouldn't have happened without Kurt Russell playing the straight man to Doc's wild man. It's, oh yeah. You know, the um Yeah. Yeah, they're the duo of this movie, but I feel like if you get rid of either one, you're I yeah. I don't think the movie becomes nearly yeah. as engaging. But yeah, that is to say that. Well, Doc I, Holiday, I guess it yeah. Dentist. That went from talk holiday dentist went from um, gum slinger to gunslinger. also <laughs> oh. would this movie really be that known if uh if he didn't have that many quips if this wasn't as quotable no like if it was no. just kurt russell even though he's that great yeah. like what what would be we be quoting in this movie i think it'd be known <laughs> but it'd be even more of a like niche 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 cult favorite yeah yeah i think i think if if it hadn't have been for for Val Kilmer here, then this movie would have been the movie that everyone would say is not as good as Wyatt Earp. You could, be right. <laughs> yeah, you know? isn't that funny? Like, like <laughs> yeah. the bizarro world where Johnny Depp plays Doc Holliday. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, but also Doc Holliday is what established this as like a uh, part of what it is a classic. This movie is a classic in my family. And this is, you know, I've mentioned some movies before, like Star Trek, um, like that I associate with my dad very heavily. And Tombstone is another one. Oh, wow. this is my dad's movie, like all the way. This is, uh, <laughs> yeah, like 
I first watched this with my dad, and you know, I from what I remember, he loves Doc Holliday and and all of his lines because how can you not? And like I was saying before, I think that's what really elevates this movie to to new levels. Um, and then also like the portrayal of Wyatt Earp because he's not just like the the hokey hero. Neither is he just a you know an anti hero. He's a he's somewhere. He's an interesting guy in between. He's a tough as needles guy. Um, and my dad loves like Western history. He loves the herbs and the history of the herbs and the cowboys. And if you ever want to talk to him about it, he he can uh, he can tell you all about it. <laughs> and he, nice. And like I, I'll you, I will take you up on that offer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have uh, my dad call your dad. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll arrange dad meeting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, you know, I always associate like historical things as being dad because my dad loves get loves to get into very particular, particular niches in history and like deep dive into it. And this is one of one of his deep dives. So I grew up with this. With, I mean, knowing about Earp and the Cowboys, at least a little bit and uh, associating it heavily with my dad. So I, I watched it. I loved it. Well, actually, okay, I did not love it. I, I always had the same little hang-up as Vita. Like, oh, like, this is weird for me. Like, as a kid, it's like, oh, this is weird. I think I was, like, 12 at the time or whatever. It's like, is this guy really a hero at the end? You know, I, I wasn't really sure what to make of that, um, having not seen that Western, uh, that type of Western before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a little bit of a weird experience, and still, even even then, I kind of recognized the choppiness, like or the the flow of the movie at the end. It makes it harder for me to remember the events and when things are happening. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it's funny you had mentioned earlier that like you know Doc dies, and then like after that you don't like it. It's like that's actually the last four minutes, but I always remember like 20 more minutes after that, for some reason it's, it's, it's right when the, so the, the gunfight ends the okay corral. Right. And then it's, it's the, it's the montages is where I, I have a hard time placing scenes. Like I remember there's yeah. scenes that happen, but it's hard for me to get the chronology. Correct. It's because there's just, two montages. And to me, yeah. I can't like, I'm always like, Oh, there's a montage. And I'm like, Oh, here's another, here's another. I adore it. I, I adore it. I know oh, it's choppy. It's I, like, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. it's hard for me to remember when something happens. Fair. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's how I love to latch on to a movie with my mind, like putting things in a nice little like chronological box, like, all right, this happened, this yeah. happened, this happened. And I can't <laughs> have a hard time doing it with, with the sending scene. Yeah. Someone's but, an engineer here. Yeah. You know, imagine <laughs> that. Um, but the, the more I watch this movie and become more familiar with it, the more I like it. And of course, you know, Doc Holliday has always been a quoted figure. Like this movie has like stayed with me like my entire life, basically. Yeah. Classic. It's a really strong nostalgia. I didn't know that it was, it was the nostalgia is strong with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's why, that's why I wanted to do it in the first place and was gun important. But you know, um, there's that, there's that element where I, like I said, I, if, I just wasn't sure if this was a modern Western, like all of our other ones, but sure. either way, we were going to have to do tombstone eventually. Absolutely. It was, it was one of those ones that was like, uh, probably in the next six months or so. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's I, true. I think it's, I think it's modern, but I also think it's kind of like the, uh, it's that end of the old beginning of the new. Yeah. 
But I also think it's a response in some ways to Unforgiven um, with a different kind of subversion. So, yep. No, really well stated. All right. So we've been jumping around this this pod quite a bit and we've we've talked a lot very in depth about this movie. It's been really satisfying as someone who didn't have the perspective, I guess, of thinking that this movie was very deep and kind of getting a real nice insight into it. I, I feel like I know a lot more now. It's actually, this is kind of reminding me of the experience of talking to uh, to Aaron when we did the Cool Hand Luke episode. I remember walking into that one and just going like, I think I know exactly what's going on with this. I think it's this and this. And then just kind of having another layer peeled back for mm-hmm. me. So so thank you so much, Isaac, for for coming on and and, and doing that. <laughs> No, thank you guys. Um, I've really been enjoying the podcast lately, and uh, like I said, that I love I love Tombstone. So a chance to fill people's ears with things I think about it is something I can't pass up. So thank you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on, and uh, yeah, this has been a whole lot of fun. And yeah, I'll echo what Vito said. I genuinely like this movie a little more after hearing you talk about it. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. It's, sometimes it takes. It takes that that deep well of love to to pierce deeply into something. Um, I, when someone else tells me about something that they love, I always come away loving it a little bit more. Even yeah. if I ultimately don't like it, there's still some. I don't know. It's a different thing from loving something. Yeah, when it's it, it, like just for me, the only way I can describe it is, is is if someone pulled a curtain back for me and and showed me a room inside of a room I didn't know was there. So I might not like the room. But I know there's a really cool thing about that room now, you know? Stay out of that room, man. <laughs> I don't like that room. But it's, it's even only, better now because I do like the room. It's only one know? way in. <laughs> Through Isaac's mind. You'll, um, never, you'll never escape. But I, I must ask you then, Isaac. Uh, yeah. You know, it's one of our classic dad questions. When or if, I imagine I know the answer to the if, but are you going to show this to your kids? Yeah, for sure. I... The timing is, uh, I'll play that by ear. Mm -hmm. I'm, wow, I did not think about this question at all before (laughs) coming on to talk with you guys about it. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Honest answers. We love it. Off the cuff. I think that I saw some movies too late. And uh, I think it's, I think it's good to kind of get the timing right. Mm-hmm. Right. If you want to share a, a a work of art you love with your with your kids, and you don't want to force it on them as something you love, so I'm conscious of that too. I love this movie. I don't want to try to make my kids love it. Um, yeah. I do think that it. I do think that it's a guys movie. Just mm-hmm. from the percentages, a lot more guys I know like this movie. A lot more <laughs> girls don't, or think it's cheesy, or just go, eh, I don't get it. Um, which is not, I'm not saying that they can't get it. I'm just saying that that's what they say. I don't get why people like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So Penelope may not want to watch it at any point. If she does, I'll show it to her in her early teens. Um, Ronan, same thing. I have a feeling Ronan will be more interested. Yeah. Um, it's quite kinetic. It's very exciting. Yeah. So, you know, age 15, 
that's probably when I'd show it. There's there's not much content in it that I wouldn't show my kids. There's that one shot where Big Nose Kate starts stroking Doc Holliday, and that's a little much. Yeah, it's tame. It's tame by the standards of say the Green Knight, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still yeah. a little much. I remember when I saw it go going ah when I when that scene happened. So yeah. That's my yeah, take. I, I was actually early teens. I was surprised I will watching absolutely it. Absolutely, show it to them. Nice. No, I was I was surprised watching it when you mentioned that scene because I was watching that scene and I was like, okay. But then it's really funny because then she like slides down. Yeah. Right out of slightly yep. out of frame, but then she just disappears and the covers are still on him. And I was like, oh, that's a weird way for this scene to end. Okay. Yeah. Yo, you gotta <laughs> you gotta use your imagination a little bit more. <laughs> But the covers are still on. I don't know. I don't want to get into Beto, it. Beto. Beto. Covers, the covers open up on the other end of the bed. No, no. Because when I when I go in my bed, I, the, the bottom covers are tucked in so there's no monsters. Oh, you're one of those. So there's no monsters that get in under the bed. So I I don't see how it would work. I, I don't see I don't feel like work. Doc Holliday is too worried about monsters at the foot of his bed. I think he is but. incredibly plagued by monsters. But I love your ages yeah. for the kids you would show. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Beto, oh, okay. Oh, oh um, sorry. <laughs> what, what was your question? I want to know now. No, I, I was going to ask you the same thing. Uh, oh, nice. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I'll echo what what Isaac said. I, I my daughter will have no interest. I already know her. <laughs> I already know <laughs> this is not going to be up her alley, especially if she's uh, anything like Liz, who does not really like this movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I I think this is like a, this is definitely like a father son movie though. This is like a hey, do you want a, a fun historical time? And especially like what with what your dad did, Isaac, where he like tied it in mm-hmm. to like something you were learning about in school. This is a perfect opportunity for something yep. like that. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'll probably do something similar, and it'll yep. probably be high school age. The, the 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 violence in here, it's not it's not the worst. But it's uh it's very intentional. Like when he splices uh that guy's mouth open with his spurs, that's yeah. <laughs> super that, badass. That's hard for me to watch. <laughs> it's like oh whoa yeah yeah not the mouth. Also, yeah. like spurs are gross. They're in dung all the time. You don't know what just got in that cut. Yeah, nasty. It's I, also I, just you know it's on a boot, right? Yeah. So Ike yeah. Clanton's a literal bootlicker. He uh, escapes with his life as a total coward three times in the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I'll also say that this movie is, you know, for as much action as there is, it's really more dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. So I'd want them to be at an age where they're more invested in dialogue than silly action scenes. Um, yeah. So I wanted to appreciate appreciate the movie for that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, like 15, I think that's, I again, I, I could call an audible about on that uh, later, years later down the road, but yeah, I'm going to say that's a good number. Yeah, that's a perfect number. I, I'm just going to echo everything you guys said. I, I also don't know if my daughter will like this. Um, I, I, I get what she's into now. And Westerns are, aren't really interesting for her, which is fair. Uh, I can't say I can't say I, I, I understand what that feels like, but she's not too into it. Maybe she'll never be. Maybe she will. Who knows? I know there's, I mean, like we, the only reason we did Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is because it was suggested by, by a friend of the pod, Madeline, uh, way back in the day. And she's like, please do a, a John Wayne Western. Um, and she specifically mentioned that one. Mm-hmm. So I know that there are, there are amazing. And, and I mean, Liz just on the, the true grit episode, yeah. 
Yep. Like, she's like, I don't like Westerns, but every Western I watch, I like. <laughs> um, so I'd actually like to ask the listeners here, you know, if, yeah. if you're a woman and you like Westerns or you like this movie, you know, I'd love to hear from you. We, we'd love to talk about that because honestly, in my own life as well, uh, either the women in my life haven't seen this, they've seen it, they don't like it, or they have no interest in seeing it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just what I know. I'm not yeah. making a blanket statement about anything. Yep. Just the and, women in my yeah. life don't aren't interested. So we're all pretty much agreed on on when, and we're all pretty much the same as as like a yes if the interest is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that leads us to our final question, though: Is this a dad movie? Jesse, is this a dad movie? Oh, thousand percent. <laughs> like, I mean, even like I think even if you were a person who didn't like this movie, I think you would still have to call it a dad movie. It's everything about it screams dad. It's the fact that, you know, again, I always consider historical things to be dad. And this is this is historical and tries to be somewhat accurate at parts, apparently. Um, and it's also about like, you know, the quiet macho man. Well, is he really that? Well, yeah, I, that's not a, the best way to describe Wyatt or probably. But he is like the quiet, like guy who's always in control. I consider that very dad. Val Kilmer in in a classic performance, the super dad. Um, uh, like, would you even say three that three brothers, dude? Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything about this is like so, like, yeah. It's just it's just awesome. a movie with a bunch of brothers is automatically dad. Sons of Katie Elder, exactly. <laughs> the Darjeeling Limited, kind of dad. It's kind of dad. dad. It's, it's that's dad. more of a mom movie though. Ooh, interesting. Well, it's it's concerned with moms, but it's about brothers. And that is, I think, my favorite part about the movie. Then there's the Brothers Bloom. The Brothers Bloom, which is neither a dad nor a mom movie. (laughs) We'll see. I I, I love that movie a lot. It's a fifth cousin movie. It's actually Wyatt Earp III's (laughs) favorite movie. You know what, oh, what you're what you're one. saying though about Doc Holliday? I think I just had this this moment. Like I can picture any one of those herbs being a dad, right? I could mm-hmm. never picture Doc Holliday being a dad, but I could picture him being that insane uncle that yeah. is my favorite guy in the world. <laughs> Funny bit of history: none of the Earp brothers had any sons. That's amazing. They, uh, yeah, the name did not live on through their line. Wow, weird, weird. Yeah, I don't even know what to do with that had, information. It's just like yeah. clearly having that mess, that much testosterone does not make you have sons. Boom. That's what I'm. That's what I keep telling myself <laughs> as I sit with two daughters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take it how you will, man. Yeah. Um, but Isaac. Yeah. Dad movie. Yeah. yeah. This is a dad movie. I like how Jesse goes into the uh, characteristics of the movie that he deems dad. Um, yes. And uh, <laughs> I can't help when I hear dad movie, I think of my dad's movies. That's kind of my criteria. It's mm-hmm. maybe a bit more bit more personal. And uh, my mm-hmm. dad likes this movie a lot. I don't think he'd say it's the best Western ever made. He'd probably say Man Who Shot Liberty Valance or The Searchers is the best Western ever made. Um, I might agree with him on The Searchers. But, but this one's but this one is is up there. And he and I connect through this movie a lot. And, uh, you know, some of the some of the things I conveyed to you guys that I think about the scenes, I just stole right from him because he's he said them. And I went, I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) This is very much a dad movie for me. 
Beautiful. I, I, I think unquestionably it, it must be. It's uh, it's actually, this is one of the rare ones. And I think the modern Western series has been really fun. And I think this is why people have been really responding to it is that this one was like, we didn't go and have to fight about whether or not something was a dad movie. We didn't have to figure it out. It was there in the wild. We just had to happen upon it. And we happen cool. upon it. A dad movie in the wild needs no, we don't need to tell it it's a dad movie. It just is. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. That's a and, that's a great way to put it. Thank you. No, and this and this is one. This is this is a dad movie. This is one of the ones that when we started this podcast a long, long time ago, I was thinking to myself, when we get to that one, that was gonna be pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad I got to be here for this one. I'm so glad that you yeah. that you reached out and you were just like, hey guys, let's do it. <laughs> uh, so that way we didn't do like reminiscence or something like that instead. Dude, I'm so happy we didn't do reminiscence. <laughs> that movie blows. It's so bad. It makes my eyes bleed, but I like it a little bit, but it's it's stupid. But I it's, still haven't seen it because I just, I look at the ratings like, oh no, that's not what I wanted this yeah. movie to be. It's rough. But closing our modern Westerns for now, you know, we'll open those, those gates and let those heifers out again. But for right now, gates are locked. Wagons are circled. And uh, thank you all for being with us on our modern Westerns journey. We thank all of our collaborators along the way. And uh, we look forward to what's coming. You know, this is, we've been doing this now for a year. And that's really amazing to me. And um, thank you to everyone that's been here. And uh, for all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Jesse. And I'm Isaac. Good night. <laughs>